and IFC family. How y'all doing today? Everybody's looking good. Turn to your neighbor and say, you made it to church. Even on Super Bowl Sunday. Hey, how about all of our friends that skip church because they're home cooking chicken wings and brisket, getting ready for the game. We still love you. Come on, make some noise for all of our friends and family watching around the world. Some of y'all are laughing, but you thought about it this morning. You're like, the game doesn't start till this afternoon, but we could start eating earlier if we didn't have to go to church. Nobody, don't lie. Oh, I'm so pumped that you would take time to be with us. Hey, if I haven't met you, my name is Josh Roberts. And after the service, thank you. Uh, on behalf of me and my wife, uh, we just want to say welcome to church today. And after service, I'll be up in the cafe uh, drinking some coffee. Would love for you to come introduce yourself to me. If we haven't met, that would be a great, great privilege of mine. Hey, last week we started, uh, uh, last week we had Vision Sunday. And today I'm kicking off a brand new series with our mandate. And um, the, the mandate's super simple. It's four words. Everybody say, love all, love serve, all. all. serve all. Turn to your neighbor and say, love everybody. Serve everybody. That's where IFC is going this year. And I, I don't want to take a lot of time uh, to go back. So you need to go back. If you weren't here, go back and watch it online. But I did share a scripture last week out of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Actually, I shared a bunch of verses. But today I want to give you the compressed, paraphrased version of that because I got some other things to talk about. But last week, Paul said, I have voluntarily become a servant. Everybody say Volunteer. What does that mean? That means he chose himself. He, he committed himself. It means he had the idea of, I get to, I don't have to. Turn to your neighbor and say, you get to. You ain't got to. It's, it's a voluntary thing. He said, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and in all in order to reach a wide range of people. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet to a God-saved life. And he said, I did it all because of this gospel message. I didn't want to just talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. And so today we're going to continue to talk about what does it mean to love all, serve all. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for your word as always. I thank you that it's never changing. It's forever settled in heaven. And Lord, we declare it today and we establish it on this earth. Lord, we, we, we take your word uh, as, as a foundation for everything that we do in our life. And so, Lord, today as the scriptures are shared, I, I hope and, and I pray that it helps anchor us to our destiny and our purpose. I pray that it anchors us as your church, as your hands and your feet, and that it empowers us. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so I thank you that the Holy Spirit brings inspiration today for us in the seasons of church. Lord, help us to see the lost differently in the season. Give us a passion for souls. Give us a passion for people. And Lord, we're going to do everything you've asked us to do in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Have, you, have you ever lost something? They're like, that's a trick question. You ever lost something? I mean, it's so frustrating. This morning, I was going to trim my beard off, and I was looking underneath our, our medicine cabinet, and I was, I was running a little bit late, you know, just behind schedule a few minutes, and, and I couldn't find my electric razor, and it's, it's a new one. I just bought it, so I'm like, where's the razor? 
And so I'm digging through the medicine cabinet and I'm getting frustrated because I look shaggy from the weekend and I want to take it all off and look good for church. And I can't find the stinking razor and I'm in my bathroom and my wife can probably hear me from the other room. We had, our daughter's not feeling good, so she was taking care of Emmy in the other room. And she said, what's going on in there? And I'm down on the thing. I'm just so mad. I'm just throwing stuff out of the medicine cabinet now, you know. Like, I know it's in here. And she comes in and she's, what can I help you with? I said, do you know where the razor is? And she's like, no. And I said, those stinking three-year-olds. All the parents who have toddlers don't lie, but we, we blame them when we lose things. <laughs> They're the first to blame. It's not like, oh, I misplaced this. Like, one of the kids probably got it. Let's go to the trash can first. That's where we usually find our stuff. Trash cans are toilets these days. That's how my morning started. Why is it that when you, when you lose something, you're always already late? Like your car keys? You've never lost your car keys when you had margin in your schedule. Like, you got plenty of time to get to that dinner date. You got plenty of time to make that appointment, that job interview. It's always the day that you like, man, I don't have any time left. The, the GPS said we're going to show up right at 9 a.m. That's the day you lose your keys, and that's the day you lose your mind. We've all lost stuff. I, I like to play uh, golf. You know that. I talk about it a lot. But me and Pastor Mo and Tom and some other guys, we like to play golf when the weather's good. And one of the most unnerving things about golf is you can hit a great shot and still lose your ball. I'll be up on the tee box. I mean, I'll just crush one right past Pastor Tom. Not usually. Have, doesn't happen very often. Right past Pastor Mo. And I'm shouting and gloating, you know. I'm shouting and gloating, and they're like, Pastor, that was a great drive. That was a great drive. And we'll get down there, and, and they'll find their balls, and the, there's Moe's, there's Tom's, and where's your ball? I'm like, I don't know. It must be further down past you guys. I remember I crushed it. And we drive down there 10 yards further, and Pastor, I was like, I, I don't see it. Pastor Moe's out there. I don't see it. And, and it's, it's gone. It's, it like wrecks the game. You ever lost something? It's frustrating. How about your glasses? I don't need glasses all the time, but I need them to read sometimes. And usually I'm asking my wife, hey, have you seen my glasses? You see my glasses? One of those kids. And she said, honey, you've been there. They're right on top of your head. It's so frustrating because then you feel foolish for blaming people. We, my sister-in-law, we were talking about this recently because they went on a trip to Disney and she was talking about air tags. Anybody know what air tags are? Come on, you can be. Where's all my techie folks? You know what air tag is? Who doesn't know what an air tag is? Go ahead. Lay your hands on them, techie people. <laughs> an air tag. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just giving you a hard time. I didn't know what air tags were until she told me this. An air tag is a little device you put on your keychain and it's hooked to your phone. And so if you lose your keys, you could just go to your phone and it'll say, hey, dummy, your keys are in your back pocket. Or if you put it, we like to travel, you put them in your luggage. And that way when you get to another nation and they say, we don't have your bags, but it's at Concourse C. I can see it right here on my phone. But she was talking to us and she's brilliant. She said they went to Disney this year and she put air tags in the kids' shoes. And I'm like, Lord, you have revealed wisdom to your son today. Because you know, just like I do, you go to a big theme park and your wife wants you to wear the goofy shirts. 
they're all in the same color. And why isn't it a guy's color? Why are we all wearing purple shirts with Mickey Mouse ears? Well, so that when we look around and the kids are gone, you just look for the kid with the purple shirt. And I'm like, that's great. But every family at Disney World had the same plan. They're all wearing purple, green, and fuchsia shirts. She said, Josh, just put the air tags in their shoes. And when the kids wander off, you can find them. By the way, this is probably the greatest fear of any parent. Losing a kid? You ever been there? Grocery store? Johnny's yelling in the toy aisle and you're yelling back, we're not getting no toys. Told you 15 times. And he's still nagging and still nagging and you go on to get the rice on the next aisle and you turn around and Johnny's not there. And you go back to the toy aisle thinking he's still over there and he ain't there and your heart sinks. Oh, it's crazy. I had this happen to me recently. I was... Uh, I was playing Mr. Mom for a weekend because my wife went away, and, and I had all three kids. We have eight, four, and three, and, and, and I, I, the eight-year-old, he's great. You know, he knows the park where we go. He knows the boundaries, and usually I can spot him, you know, on the swings or the jungle gym and not worried about Hunter. And Emmy, you know, she's four. I'm, I'm watching her like a hawk because she may just take off and be in the parking lot, you know, soliciting people for a ride. Like, I'm ready to get out of here. And then Cash, our two-year-old, I mean, he just kind of follows everybody else is doing. Everybody's walking over here. We're going over here. And I'm not worried about Hunter. I got my eye on Emmy. I see her. She's on the little play thing. She's talking to a couple girls. And I look down, and I'm like, Cash? That's our son's name. Cash? You say it with a question at first. Cash? Like you're calling your dog. Come on, Cash? And then after the second or third time, not that he doesn't answer and you don't see him, the voice goes up to another level, cash, cash. And then you know it's like, like DEFCON 3 when you add the middle name, cash Walter Roberts. And you start looking and I had panic set in. Now imagine, it's five seconds. Me and him were just talking. He hasn't been raptured because I know I'm going. But in that moment, you question your salvation, Lord. And now I got down. I said, Cash, Cash, where are you, Cash? And I was yelling, yelling. I finally, I look at, I'm thinking he's got to be under something because I could see everything here. And he's not that fast. His legs are only that long. He can't run to the bus. So I got down. I was looking under stuff. And all of a sudden, I see this little foot kicking. And I crawled down. He had crawled underneath the little jungle gym house. And he was eating the little wood chips. Hands are filthy, mud everywhere, covered in dirt, and he's eating the wood chips. And I got down there, I said, Cash. He said, Daddy? I said, what are you doing? He said, want some? Want some? You're laughing now. It wasn't funny then. I grabbed that dude by the leg, pulled him out, hold him up, said, don't you ever do that again. <laughs> it's okay to lose your keys. It's okay to lose your golf ball. It's okay to lose your glasses or your razor. But man, when it comes down to humanity, it changes the game. We, we, we watched this years ago, the, these miners that got trapped in a cave. How many of y'all watched that? How about nobody watched when Tom Brokaw couldn't find his car keys the day he did the broadcast? Nobody cared about that. But when it comes to humanity, how about the soccer team that was caught in the cave that they were back there? We watched that like glue to the TV. Why? When it comes to humanity and that gets lost, there's such a greater concern. Yeah. 
And the truth is, is that's, that's inherent from God our Father. Listen to this story in Luke 15. Jesus is meeting and hanging out with a bunch of people. And it says, by this time, a lot of men and women with questionable reputation. I love that right there. He just defined who they are. Questionable folk. They're hanging out with Jesus, but they're listening intently. The Pharisees and religious scholars, they were not pleased. In fact, they weren't pleased at all. They began to growl at him. I love how they said they growled at him. He's taking on sinners. He's taking them, excuse me, taking them in and he's eating meals with them. Treating them like they're good old friends. Their grumbling triggered Jesus. He paused his story and he said, I suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and you lost one. Everybody say one. Wouldn't you leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the lost one until you found it? When found, you could be sure you would put it across your shoulders rejoicing. And when you got home, you'd call your friends and neighbors saying, celebrate with me for I found my lost sheep. Listen to this. Count on it. Everybody say count on it. Oh, come on, a little bit more. Say, count on it. Count on it. What's he saying? He said, count on it more than the sheep. There's more joy in heaven when one sinner's rescued life than over 99 good people in no need of a rescue. You're talking about sheep. I'm talking about human beings. I'm talking about people that have a soul. Listen, when our dogs get lost, we freak out. But when our neighbor's lost, it's no big deal. Can I wreck your theology? All dogs don't go to heaven. I love you enough to tell you that they're not going with us on the other side. They don't have a spirit. But your neighbor does. And his kids do. And your boss does. And your grandparents do. And yet we're so consumed with natural things that sometimes we get away from the spiritual things. That God the Father says, when one sheep comes back, When one soul that's lost, it's all right for the 99, they'll be fine, they're together. But what about the one? It says that they rejoice greatly. He said, over the one that came in, the one that was rescued. I want to talk about souls this morning. And I want to talk about this in the sense of this being our mandate for the year of us refining and returning to why this church started. 41 years ago, this church was planted because there was a family that had a passion for souls and they began to talk to others about souls and they created a church with a group of people who were passionate about seeing the lost saved. The church wasn't planted and created, nor are we continuing it so we can gather and celebrate just by ourselves. We already saved. We already found. Let me tell you this. Found people find people. Found people, find people. He goes on in verse 8, or he said, hey, if you don't like that story, uh, imagine a woman who has 10 coins. Anybody like money? And loses money's good, somebody said, money's good. What if she had 10 and loses one? Won't she light a lamp and scour the house? Looking in every nook and cranny until she finds it, and then when she finds it, you could be sure. She's going to pick up that phone and call her friends and neighbors. Celebrate with me. I've, lo- I've found the lost coin. Here it is again. Count on it. That's the kind of party God throws every time one soul turns to God. What does God get excited about? Faith. 
What, what is it that pleases God? Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. What does He get excited about when someone puts their trust in His Son? What's God the Father get fired up about? What's he passionate about? He's fired up and passionate about seeing people meet Jesus for the very first time. Going from death to life, from darkness to life. That's what's going on upstairs every time we gather. Not because you're here, but because somebody today will raise their hand and say, I'll put my faith in that Jesus. I feel lost. I need to be found. Listen to this. I, I was thinking about this today. What does heaven rejoice about? What do, what, do, what do you think they get fired up about upstairs? What about healing? Do you think they get fired up when somebody gets healed? I believe Jesus still heals today. We're a church that believes in divine healing. And I believe that every time someone receives it by faith, man, they, they, they go nuts upstairs. That guy ain't limping anymore. She ain't got cancer anymore. Her thing's been restored. That, whatever that means, I think they go crazy up there. How about promotions? You get promoted on your job. I think God's for us, not against us. He's excited because guess what? That gives you more influence. You need to understand your job title is not just a, a placeholder. It's a place that you use. I'll get to this in a minute. It's a place you use to, to leverage your influence for the kingdom. So when you get promoted, God says, that's my favor. Now use that position to glorify me. I was thinking about when I got out of debt. I've shared this story many times years ago, over a decade, almost now, we were $68,000 in debt. Now, that doesn't seem like a lot to some people, but to me, it was everything. I had nothing. How much money you got? That much. <laughs> and how much debt you got? This much. And God supernaturally brought us out of debt. I was in my house doing a holy go. I old school. We did a little jig in the house. I was doing the little jig, and, and I thought, I'm excited down here. He's excited up there. Like I felt like heaven's cheering me on today because Josh is no longer in debt. He's now debt-free. Anything that comes to him, he'll sow it now. We can trust him with it. He's going to funnel it to the nations. I got all excited about that, thinking, man, they're fired up right now because I'm unleashing my calling. How about this? How about somebody getting married? Man, God's union, man and woman coming together. And he's up there celebrating. This is awesome. This is my purpose. It's not good that man should be alone. He's been found by that woman. They shouting that down. I think, I think that it gets exciting up there. How about this? Attendance? I think the Lord's pleased that we're all gathered together. Almost a thousand people in the building between the two services. I think they're going nuts up there. They say, all my kids came home today. Look at this. Even on Super, Soul, Super Bowl Sunday. I almost said Super Soul Sunday. I think they're excited up there. I don't, I don't really think he cares about the Chiefs. Y'all think he really cares about Philadelphia? They're not sure. Should I answer? Should I not answer? Listen. I believe God loves football, but what he loves more is seeing us gather together, not because we're going to throw down on a football game. We're going to gather together and give him the glory today. Every Sunday for him is Super Soul Sunday. Because he knows when we gather, we're going to bring the lost with us, and somebody that was lost is going to be found. But I think he gets more excited about anything is heaven rejoicing when lost are found, sinners being rescued. So why do they celebrate? Why does the scripture say that they celebrate? It's because the mission of Jesus is being accomplished. 
They're shouting and screaming today because those in first service that gave their heart to the Lord in the house and online accomplished the mission for which Jesus came. And they're fired up today because it's the mission of the church that is being accomplished. So what was the mission of Jesus? Super simple. Luke 19.10. Luke 19.10 says Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Why Jesus come to seek and save the lost? Who was lost? You and me. And our neighbors and our coworkers. And our grandparents and those people down the street that we haven't met yet. And that new couple at work at, at, at that neighborhood that their dog always poops on our lawn. And you watch them and they don't clean it up. And every day you want to go out there and give that guy a piece of your mind. And the Lord said, that's one of mine. He's just lost right now. Jesus came to seek and save those that you and I are disgusted by. Jesus came to seek and save those that you don't want to spend any time with. So every time someone gets saved, he rejoices because it's another one of his children being welcomed and accepted into the kingdom. What's the mission of the church? Matthew 28. Jesus came to, to, to seek and save the lost, and then he, he charged the disciples. He said, God authorized and commanded me to commission you too. He said, is that all me? I'm just the leader. The leader goes first. But now the 11 of you, go. Everybody say go. Go out and train everyone you meet, far and near. Train them in what? In this way of life, marking them by baptism. In the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then what? Instruct them into practice. All that I've commanded you, I'll be with you this day, the day after, the day after that, the next day, the weekend after that, next month, next year. I'll be with you until the end of the age. Listen to this. The mission of Jesus and the mission of the church is the same. It's that found people would find people. I I want you to hear this today. We're we're gathering together for a purpose on Sunday morning, not so we can feel good. Your purpose should not be to come to church so you feel good. It should be so you get empowered to go out and be a witness, to go out. Everybody say go, to go to them. Well, pastor, I I, I like it. You're you're inspiring. You're, you're, You're getting me excited, but that's really not my calling. I've talked to the Lord. I'm really not called to to win souls. My gifting is this, this, or this. No, no, you're not an exception. Turn your neighbor and elbow him real hard and say, you're no exception. I get these kind of conversations after church. People come through line and say, Pastor, that was a great message, very inspiring. It just doesn't apply to me. Because I had prophet so-and-so tell me that my gifting is this. Hold on a second. I'm not asking about prophet so-and-so. I'm talking about Jesus Christ, the head of the church. Well, I'm kind of, you know, you're really demonstrative. You're, you're, you're passionate. And I'm just an introvert. Listen, this passion you see is not my day-to-day walk. This is the power of the Holy Spirit when I'm operating in my calling. Every one of us is called to win souls. The Bible actually says it this way. He who wins souls is wise. How smart are you now? Let me challenge you today. And I know I'm pushing a little bit. It's okay. You can handle it. Every one of us have been called and equipped and empowered to go out. Truth is, your mission, everybody say my mission. 
If I say, I got a vision for my life. I got a purpose for my life. I got this. Let me just tell you, refine about your mission, your vision, your purpose cannot be separated from the great commission. Your mission, your calling, your gifting, that talent, that skill, that yearning in you, it cannot be separated from the local church and the Great Commission. You are placed in the body with a purpose for seeing souls one. And your purpose may be playing on a worship team that enters the presence of the Lord in here so they encounter Jesus at another level. It may be ushering and making sure people got the best seats. It may be upstairs serving with our kids and ministering to them, whatever capacity. It all has a purpose. It's called the Great Commission. Say it with me. My mission is the commission. It's the Great Commission. So let's talk about this with the 10 minutes I have left. How, how do we live this out here at IFC? How do we fulfill the Great Commission? How important are those that are lost to us? How important is it to us? How do we see a thousand people come to know Christ this year? Last, year, last week, I shared that in our, in our Vision Sunday address. I, I talked about how the Lord has been speaking to me about setting some BHAGs. Everybody say BHAGs. Big, hairy, audacious goals. Some of you need to stretch yourself in this season. You got little goals. Goals of survival. He wants you to have goals of thriving. I want to just be an impact of one person, multiply it and add a zero there. How could you not impact 10 people this year? And so last week, I, I brought it to you, and together we're going to do this. We're going to see 1,000 people give their hearts to the Lord this year. 1,000. How? How? First, we're going to pray. Number one, write it down. We're going to pray for them. We're going to pray. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit. To be a part of this, we're going to ask God to give us a passion for souls. I've been reading a book called The Passion for Souls by Oswald J. Smith. I'm working on trying to get you guys a copy of it. It's a great book because it's all about the nations. And guess what? When I look around, I see the nations. When I look around in Boston and in New England, I see the nations gathering here. So this applies to us. We have to pray and ask God to give us a passion for people. I say one more hard thing and just stomp on your toe real quick. You can't follow Christ and not like people. You can't be a Christ follower and not like people and be mean and irritated and rude all the time. It doesn't work. There, It's oil and water. When you take on the gospel and you receive Christ and you say yes to him and you say great, the Great Commission is my responsibility. The next thing we do is we pray and say, Lord, tenderize my heart because I've been burned and I've been hurt and I've been abused. I've been mistreated. I don't like people. But Lord, if you loved me enough to find me, place that same heart in me for those that I'm going to encounter this week. It's called a prayer of humility that you would see people where they are. I preached this last year and I won't go down this rabbit trail very long, but we like to write people off. Jesus likes to write people in. That person that you keep avoiding, he's trying to place them in your path on purpose. And you keep skating around them. I'm just going to go this way. And there they are again. Oh my goodness, they're, gosh, they're all over. It's a Holy Ghost encounter, it's a divine appointment with destiny. 
Their soul is hanging in the balance, and he's looking at us and saying, hey, just pray. I'll give you the passion for that person. I'll let you see them the way that I see them. Pray, ask for passion for souls. And then we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to give us courage. We're going to ask for Acts 1-8 faith. And then the Holy Spirit would come upon you. He's going to drop on you. And what happens when he drops on you? He said, then you will be my witnesses. Where? Oh, in, in Samaria, in Judea, in the uttermost parts of the earth, in Wilmington, in North Reading, in Chelmsford, in Lowell, in Bill Ricca, Burlington, Lexington, everywhere we go, guess what? He's given us a passion for those people. And then we're going to pray for those that are goers and senders. Psalm 2.8, I love this. He says, if you'll just ask for me, just ask me, I'll give you the heathen for your inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. He's not talking to you as an individual. He's talking to you as a kingdom builder. He's talking to you as a saint. He's talking to you as a disciple. He's talking to you as a missionary. If you'll just ask me, I'll give you a passion for it, and I'll make sure they're your inheritance. On the other side, when you show up and you say, what's here for me? There'll be lines of people saying, I've been waiting on you, man. It was your faith. It was your boldness. It was your declaration. It was your character. It was your integrity. It was your witness on that job that I gave my heart to the Lord. Praying for souls. Don't pray for somebody else. Pray for ourselves. Oh, Lord, use Pastor Tom diligently this week. Send those sinners and those heathen to him. It's your neighbor, dude. It's the guy that sits in the cubicle next to you. Number two. Number two, we got to pray, but then we have to go. Paul said, I want to just talk about it. I want to be in on it. I don't want to just come to church and talk about souls. Man, I want to go do something about it. Go to them. Here's the thing. You've got to go to people and find them when, when they don't even know they're lost. We play hide and seek in our house with the kids. They love that game. It's so boring at 47. Because <laughs> I know where they're hiding. Curtain, gotcha. Laundry room closet, gotcha. You know what? I, I don't think that's the way it's supposed to be in the life of a believer. I think that we are on mission looking for people. Oh, man, I wonder if today when I go to work, I want to find somebody that needs Jesus. Lord, would this be the day that that guy that you've been bringing up in my heart, is this the day that I'm going to share the love of God with him? Lord, is today the day that I go next door and, and I tell them, hey, I've been your neighbor for five years, but what you don't know, I love Jesus. I go to church. It's a crazy church, a bunch of crazy people. You should come with me. Because you're kind of crazy. We can pray about it all day long. It's until we actually get out and go get people. If found people, what do we do? We go find them. Mark 16, 15, Jesus was with the 11 disciples. They were eating dinner, probably sharing a pizza. And he said, go. Everybody say, go. He said, go into all the world. He said, go. Everybody say, go. Go everywhere. Announce the message of God's good news to one and to all who believe. Everyone who believes will be baptized, is saved. And those who refuse will be damned. He said, go give them a choice. Go give them an opportunity. Go, go, go. 
See, I, I, I've been in, in seasons of life. I'm not in the season right now, but there's been seasons of my life as a Christian, not even as a pastor, where I just surrounded myself with everybody that looked like me, talked like me, believed like me. And in those seasons, I wasn't reaching anybody. I wonder if, if some of us need to pop the bubble that we've been living in. Well, you know what the Bible says. You know, be in the world but not of it. I don't know how much are you in the world. Because that's where lost people live. I'm going to go to church and do my part. The only lost people who are coming to church are the ones you bring in. But you didn't find them in your Christian bubble. You had to get outside of your bubble and go down there and be where they're at. I remember being at a, at a, at a restaurant, Buffalo Wild Wings, with some buddies watching a football game. Actually, it was a UFC match. They invited me. And, and there was no seat, so we had to sit at the bar. And so we're sitting there eating our wings, and we're doing the hot challenge, you know, who can eat the hottest wings? And, and we're cheering on our fighter, this and that. And, and then I left, and someone said, did you watch the UFC match the other night? And I said, yeah, I went to, I went to Buffalo Wild Wings with some of my friends, and, and we watched it right there at the bar. And they said, you went to a bar? I said, well, I, I went to a chicken wing place that has a bar. Because my unsaved friends invited me. You call yourself a Christian. I said, whoa, 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 hold on, man. I, I'm supposed to be loving these dudes. How are they going to hear the gospel? They invited me. This is where those that are lost are looking to be found. And I'm not tooting my own horn, but let me say this to you. If you're not getting invitations to go into the world, it should be an indication that we've surrounded ourselves in safety nets of Christian people. And we're deflecting anybody that doesn't look like us. And I'm going to say this, we'll never reach the world at the rate that God wants us to. If we're isolating ourselves, we got to get out. we got to pray for boldness. Paul said, I didn't become like them, but I put on the mindset of a servant to serve them in hopes that one might be saved. I can't believe you're advocating going to bars. I didn't say that. I'm saying where you live, is it safe? Because here's the thing, he ain't called you to live no safe life. He sent you into the mission field. Listen to this. I wrote this for you late last night. Your workplace is your mission field. All the way to Wendy's. It's a mission field at Wendy's. Your neighborhood is your mission field college campus young person is your mission field your favorite restaurant that you go to week after week because they got the best chips and salsa nobody like chips and salsa over here where's that restaurant that you go to religiously because you can't give up that meal you love it so much and they know you by name I like legal seafood they know me by name there lobster roll again pastor yeah the hot one with the butter on it honey Bring that thing loaded. That's, what, that's my mission field. I'm there every week. We got to get this mindset off and we got to go somewhere wild. How about, how about this one? How about that sports field that your kids spend hours and hours at every week? Those dance classes. That's your mission field, that local coffee shop where you like to go and work on your computer and get away from the crazy kids for an hour. That's your mission field. The 
place you get your car serviced over and over. They know you by name. I mean, your car's about to fall apart. You've been there for 20 years. That's your mission field. The school where you send your kids to be educated, that's your mission field. Can I just say it to you plainly? You are a missionary. You, as Christ's followers, you're a missionary. I, 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 don't, I don't want to go very far. You don't have to. Methuen is a mission field. Where's all my friends from Lawrence? Lawrence is a mission field. How about Chelmsford and Lowell? They're, they're, they're mission fields. Wilmington, where I live, is my mission field. North Reading, where the church takes up space, it's our mission field. I don't know where you live, Somerville, Medford, put in whatever name of town you live. That's your mission field. Boston, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, Vermont, Connecticut, Maine. New England is our mission field. And when you and I understand that he's placed us here with a purpose and you're on mission. Oh my goodness, listen to me. There won't be room enough to hold the harvest. When you and I and each one of us does our part, there won't be enough room in this building to contain the souls that belong in the kingdom. I was talking with a church planner talking to a church planner in Bangor, Maine. A new friend of mine, you'll meet him soon. His name's Matt Joya. He has six little kids and they moved from beautiful Colorado up to Bangor, Maine to plant a church during the pandemic and they're seeing just crazy stuff happen. And they invited someone that they become friends with, not in church, don't know anything about the Lord, don't know nothing. They invited them to the church and the young lady came to church and after service, she was talking to Pastor Matt. She said, he said, what'd you think of the church? She said, it was interesting. Which is what I get a lot. <laughs> People come in this building, like, there's no cross on this building. Is this really a church? This looks like an office building. This can't be a church. Church isn't a building. It's you and I as people. And as she said that, they made it a movie theater, by the way. She's like, this is weird coming to church at a movie theater. And she said, my kids today... She said, they received Jesus? And he's like, they received Jesus? Well, that's what they told me, that they'd never heard the name of Jesus. The teachers in the classroom said, hey, you want to receive Jesus? Who's that? Well, you know, the guy that came from heaven. No, don't know anything about that. You know God's son. Who's God? Listen, I want to go to Chad, Africa, where they've never heard the gospel, but there's people right here in our backyards that their children don't know Jesus. Can I say something to all you that are 50 plus? Thank you for your faithfulness, but there's a generation that, that doesn't know anything about Jesus. There's a gap right now. We're living in a post-Christian world, especially right here in New England. Boston was just voted the number one most liberal city in the U.S. You're on a mission field. So what are we going to do about it? We're going to pray about it. And then you and I are going to go, and then finally, what are we going to do? We're going to communicate Christ to them. We're going to introduce them to Jesus. Paul said, I've become just about every sort of servant 
to everybody in my attempt to lead those that I meet into a God-saved life. What was he saying? I did it so they could meet Jesus through me. I did it so they could meet Jesus through me. And every Sunday we gather here. My prayer is that somebody would see Jesus through me and through Mo and Michael and Steve, David, insert your name there. That this place be a gathering place, not for saints. There's an old statement I heard years ago. It said, church ought not be a, a, a museum for saints. It ought to be a hospital for sinners. And my prayer is that we always have a great ratio of people in this house, people that are founded on the word, people that have great foundations. But they're also on the far spectrum have people that don't know nothing. And they're hungry because they're lost. And then that middle group of people is those that are giving their hearts to the Lord and now they're being discipled and growing in their faith. That's my desire as your pastor. Those that know nothing, those that know some and are growing, and those that are established to help on. What does that mean? It means we're loving everybody and serving everybody. So let me finish here. Our focus every Sunday is souls. And let me apologize if this pulpit has ever been used for anything other than that. This is a house for the hurting, for the hopeless, and the lost. So to my church family today, you don't have to wait till Easter to bring somebody. Every week we look at these chairs that represent a life. Yes, we're going to do these three-packed house Sundays, and we're going to see tons of people give their hearts to the Lord on those specific Sundays. But I want to tell you this. You don't have to wait to take this message and put it in action. There's another seven days coming. And next week, I'm going to present the gospel. Let me ask you, will you be a bringer? Number two, to our guests. You don't have to wait till Easter either. Jesus died on the cross for you. God's son. He gave up losing his son so that you could be found. He was willing to lose what was the most important so that you could find him. My greatest prayer is that every time we gather that hearts will be changed. We would see eternity populated. The heaven would be populated. We'd plunder hell. If you're a guest with us today, I just want to give you a simple invitation. Right now, and you, everybody just bow your heads just for a second. Two minutes here. It's the most important thing I'll do all day, and that is to let you know that Jesus loves you. He's got a plan for your life. I'm not a religious person. I'm a relationship guy. Oh, you're one of those religious people. Not at all. Can't stand religion. Hate rules and regulations, but I found freedom in my relationship with Christ. And I want you to have that same freedom. You know, there was a season where I was lost. Bumbling around in the dark is what it felt like. In fact, I kept telling people, man, I'm just lost. I don't know what to do in this season. I don't know how to exist in this life. I'm, I'm just lost. And maybe you're here today and that's been your verbiage. Or maybe that's been your thoughts. I want to tell you this. Today, you can be found. And hope can be restored. Your destiny can be revealed. Your purpose is intact. You're not a mistake. You're here today on purpose. It would be my honor just to pray with you. I won't embarrass you. 
I'm not going to ask you to get up and come down front. I'm not going to ask you to go in a private room and pray with somebody. I would just like you to wave your hand at me right now across this room. If that's you and you say, Pastor, pray for me, just raise your hand up. Just wave it at me and say, Pastor, pray for me. Yes, 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 I see you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Four of you right there. Yes, I see you right here on the front. All the way in the back. I see you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I see you right over here. Yes. I see you. Yes. Right here, I see you. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody want to join these brave people and say, hey, I, 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 need, a new, I need a new start today, Pastor. Today needs to be brand new for me. I need Jesus in my life. Just throw your hand up and wave it at me. Right here online, let them know in the chat box, say, hey, somebody pray with me. I need that Jesus he's, he's talking about. We're going to pray this prayer together. Anybody else? Say, include me. Amen. Would you look at me? For those that raise their hand, I want to say I'm proud of you. It takes courage to raise your hand and say yes to Jesus. And you're surrounded by a lot of people that have prayed this prayer before, myself included. So I want us to do this together. We're a family church. And so we kind of like doing stuff together. We say together is better. So if you raised your hand for the first time or maybe you didn't, you didn't wave it, I don't care if you raised your hand. Just pray this prayer out of your heart right now. Say this with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for your son that you give him up for me that I could be found. I believe that you sent him to die on a cross to pay for my sins. Today, that he was raised from the dead so I too could have resurrection life. So today in front, in front of my friends, in front of my family, I declare you I declare Jesus as the Lord of my life. And everybody said, amen. Would you stand with us? Let's celebrate. Let's celebrate those that came to Christ today.